Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer... And googly eyes. Googly eyes, yes. Um, If this is your first time hearing us, I'm sorry. Uh, We also have with us today... (laughs) Just because of that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something else, but I thought, oh, I won't go into that whole tangent. But that uh, over there, that voice over there that you're hearing is Will Hottie Patati Schmidt. Hi. Hello, Will Schmidt. Hello. And, and why do you why do you feel like we haven't been here in a month? Oh, well, did, there was just a new show last yeah. week. Why, week why, right why, on target. Why would it yes. feel to us like, like we've been away for a month? It's really odd. wonder if we still have a sponsor. I bet we do. What's its name? Ah, it's audible.com. 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 Today, all of our listeners can get a free audiobook from audible.com. Just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook for all the details. That free book that you get should be Kick Your Fat in the Nuts because that's audiobook. Oh, yeah. You can get others if you want, like but Fifty Shades of Grey or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying. But if you want Fifty Shades of Grey to really happen in real life, then get Kick It, Your Fat in the Nuts. Oh, it's like so a. Yeah, it's like, so like a, I'm the opener for that series. Exactly. So awesome. Exactly. <laughs> um, so today's topic is. Uh, it's hard to gain weight. What was, how was it exactly put? Um, what, what about, they call them hard gainers. Hard gainers. People that have a hard time. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we talk a lot about weight problem. gain on the show, but we, we leave the hard gainers out altogether. Yeah. So we want to give them a little what love. What about us? Yeah. Aww. Yeah. That's what I got to say. Yeah. And that's pretty <laughs> typical that just for you to say stuff like that. Yeah. No, that's pretty <laughs> typical for, for people to to think that or to have that attitude what's all you know i wish i had that problem but the reality is i think you know will and i were both oh to the extreme that was my life story yeah it really was for me too four years of it yeah like uh, when i graduated high school i was literally 95 pounds and you know i was 98 pounds when i started high school see you were beefy yeah i was was bulked (laughs) out i was like five nine though five eight so that was a taller so my knee was like thicker than my thigh right bones of my knee right so So basically being a thin guy is like being a fat chick well not really i mean we we hear from girls too that have a hard time gaining weight oh they just want people to go, no, no, you look good. I eat what <laughs> all the time and I can't gain weight. Oh, I, can't gain <laughs> I need to gain weight. Shut up, y'all. Right. No, but the reality of the situation is that this is just as frustrating for really somebody no. as somebody who, who can't lose weight. Especially if you're trying to play football. Right. Or- yeah, but is it unhealthy? Yeah, it, it, they're, they're, it, it depends on what the cause is, but the cause of it can be very unhealthy. I was- We'll uncover some of those causes. Yeah, I was show. definitely unhealthy. Like I had a lot of like nutrient deficiencies because my well, we'll get into it. Right. Well, and if you want to know how we get all our topics, then go ahead and follow us on Facebook at kickitinthenuts.com. That's where we post topics every week. I think you do them on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And we'll ask a pose a question, and then you guys can ask more questions, and then Tony and Will will answer the questions. That's look, a lot of questions. Oh, look questions. at Kenna keeping us on track when oh, we yeah, start to blab yeah, off about yeah, something. Yeah, baby. Um, but, you know, think about this. that If somebody lived their whole life constipated, then they hear about people with diarrhea issues, and they're like, oh, man, I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. But the guy with the diarrhea issues, he's no. not excited about the diarrhea issues. So it, it's not that it's really not that either issue is worse in some cases. It's just that it depends on what you're dealing with as to what you think is the, the big, the fancy problem to have. Yeah. yeah, I guess grass is always greener. Right. It's greener in the grass. Yeah. Um, it's because of the grass. The grass is green. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're not going to analyze that a whole lot. Maybe so not. let's kind of uh, just jump into some questions on this, and then we'll talk more about 
good causes that we see and stuff like that. All right. So we got Chad from Tecumseh, Oklahoma. It's about time somebody gets into this issue. I've been saying that for years. Thank you and a great subject. Right, and it is exciting probably for a hard gainer because nobody talks about this that much. It's yeah. They're kind of alone in their little island where you can't walk down the street without We're finding like a... Like the 1%. I mean, most of us are heavy, so... Well, right. I mean, there a lot of people... Like, there's a lot of subscriptions to Muscle & Fitness out there, and that's mostly... Like, I'd say at least half of the guys are trying to gain weight right. in there, right? Like, half of them are like, yeah, I'm fat, I'm trying to lose weight. But there's a lot of people, especially younger guys that are really focused on this and just failing miserably or intensely toxifying themselves in the process of trying to fix the problem. Trying to buy every single product that says, hey, you're going to oh, be bigger. This, All so you got to do is, is drink this bottle and you'll be huge. Yeah, and then it just poisons you. Right. So. Um, and, and the marketing is just attractive, and so that's why people are looking for an easy way to do it. But the reality is there really is not an easy way in most cases. All right, Colton. That just means you have the Bruce Lee body type. There are three body types, and that would be Bruce for you. And, and this is what I always read about, you know, was that yeah. they have those three body types, The and they usually say that you're, what is it, ectomorph? Or? Yeah, if you're skinny and ectomorph. Yeah, and then the medium guy with the good build is mesomorph. Right. And then the kind of plumpy guy is a, what was it? Endomorph. Endo, endomorph. So that was the answer for decades. You're just when, like that. Yeah, it's just... This is your body type. Sorry about your luck. Right. Next question, please. Yeah. Same thing for chubby people. You have big bones, you know. Right. So that's why. That's mm -hmm. why people are away because mm -hmm. their bones are large. Exactly. Really big bones. Yeah. Yeah. Die, you get skeletons. Like, wow, this was a very, very large bone bones. person. This bone right here is like 125. What species yeah. was this? Yeah. <laughs> right. I got so, heavy femurs. And that's another good misconception that stuck around for a long time, but most people don't view it that but way. Bones anymore. are very light, by the way. Just. Oh, don't tell me that. I've been <laughs> right. living off of that. <laughs> so, but this is the answer that it was out there. And so these people that have a hard time gaining weight, they just feel like, okay, this is my genetic situation. I'm stuck with this. And that's just how it goes. Or yeah. my mom was hippie. What we're saying is we don't agree with that little paradigm. Right. We don't I don't know all. if we said that clearly, but we don't. But people are tending to be skinny or muscular or fat because of things that are happening. In their physiology. Right, not because of their astrology or whatever. <laughs> right, or the, which brother they were born in the order of, yeah. or in the middle child. Their father so. still has hair. Right, no. yeah. So um, let's get into some of the things because, well, let's look at these next questions because they're going to talk about what most people think is the answer. Okay, Ryan from Orlando, Florida. There's this thing called food, eat all of it. And Bob from Livermore, Colorado. Then find more food and eat that too. And that's it's really not the case no, at all. Not at all. And uh, you know, when I first started gaining, trying to gain weight, that's what I did. And as difficult as it is to lose weight and to do all that work and to prepare your food and to plan ahead so that you don't get stuck eating Jack in the Box and all those things that are difficult when losing weight. If you're a person that's trying to gain weight. It is absolutely a full-time job. Mm. Oh, that's a job I could go up for, though. But it's, right, but that's because you're <laughs> a constipated person who wants to have diarrhea. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, <laughs> but the, the reality is that it is, as far as the amount of effort that has to go into that, it's at least double when you're trying to eat that much food that people are telling you to do. So is your grocery bill. Right. It's a mess. It's way more. So now, it's, were you just eating crap or were you eating like really healthy? If it would fit in my mouth, it was going in my mouth. Mm -hmm. I would just eat it. Um, and I was I was doing both. You know, I wanted to eat healthy. Um, but then I would also have days where I would just be like, okay, this this will add some fat. And the other problem when I was going this route is is when I would gain weight, it would all be just on my stomach. It wouldn't be like yeah. I was getting jacked up. Yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll stay skinny fat because you, right. you haven't done the right things to create a metabolic necessity for your body to build muscle and a metabolic need to like not have a lot of fat around either. And that's what needs to happen. And just adding more calories to the mix does not do that. It doesn't create that necessity to build muscle. Right, and so the advice that Bob and Ryan supplied, as, as much as we appreciate it, it's, it's not good advice. And it seems to be the only advice... It's out there. So what we're going to do is we're going to kick into some other things. And Alexis even says yeah, a similar. Yeah, she might have been in it. She, uh, Alexis says that can be a good thing if you love eating food. 
Right. So, and people that try and lose weight and they're restricting what they're eating, uh, they feel like, man, if I could just eat whatever, that would be so fun. But mm. when you step up to the plate, it's really not that fun. Yeah, it's like, you, oh my gosh, I can to, eat again? Yeah. You don't want to because like you have these hormonal responses that your body is like, I don't want any more food, please. Maybe <laughs> I should try reverse psychology on right. myself. It's like, body? you to need to your eat body? all you can because you've got yeah, to gain it's like, weight no and more then I won't want food. Yeah. I'm like, no. It you know it, it's a complicated thing with how like the body responds in that case, but that would only work for so long. Then you eventually wouldn't feel full ever. Mm-hmm. You kind of wear out your receptivity to that hormone, the leptin hormone. So let's get into a little bit of this stuff, and and let's we're going to talk about a few underlying causes that you just don't hear that often. Um, and when you do the work to look at, is this an issue for me? A lot of you are going to see that, wow, it really is. And now you can understand what to do about it and what steps to take. And then and then you're just jacked. Yeah. And everybody's got to stand clear. Everybody's got to listen. Yeah, everybody's got to listen when I uh-huh. talk. So let's first, because a topic that we hardly ever talk about, we probably haven't talked about it in a month, digestion? is digestion. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's forgot, been a month since we forgot, talked I, about it. I completely it. forgot that we even have digestion. <laughs> right. It's been so long. So let's talk about how digestive issues can de- lead to these hard gainer situations. Sure. So anything your body cannot overcome or utilize is a toxin. So, And then there's also just straight toxins that you can eat, like weight gainers from GNC. Like those are... Just straight because they're chemical. They're just chemical garbage. But then even healthy organic farmers caught grown veggies and meats and stuff can also be a toxin in your body if you can't break it down. So not only does it not give you the nutrition you need to build cells like muscle and make energy for those cells, but now it actually drains your body of energy and depletes you, which is how I ate five thousand calories a day for a decade and stayed under a hundred pounds. Right, right. That's an impressive metabolic feat. <laughs> right. If I was actually digesting the food, but what was actually happening was that food would just sit like a rotting lump in my intestinal tract until it eventually worked its way out. Right, know? and it break. It can sometimes break down some by rotting and fermenting, but it's not doing it well. And in that process, you're also creating all this other junk, and the other junk in the body creates a burden that the body has to deal with. And to deal with that takes resources. So now the body's using the resources that it has just to try and deal with all this junk you're putting in there. Yes. Sweet. Um, so and, and before we get into too much of the science stuff, um, because two different people will be listening to this show. It's it's the guy who wants to gain muscle or, or even the girl because strong is – is the new Black. skinny. Yeah, yeah it's oh, the new yeah. orange. Yeah. Orange is the new skinny. I don't know what that show goes. But um, so it's someone wanting to add muscle or it's just an individual who, hey, I look like a POW and I, 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 I look ill. Yeah. And uh, I may actually be ill and I can't put weight on. So there's, there's two different scenarios that are most likely going on. Um, and these situations can happen for either of those scenarios. Yeah. Right, like anyone in like a body-wasting state after a disease or an infection or something like that, or type 1 diabetics, oftentimes are like in that case, and they really, really need to get nutrition on their bones. Right, so if you can't add muscle, or if you're basically wasting away, what's wasting away is tissue, or which could be muscle tissue, but it could be other tissues too, connective tissue, all that kind of stuff. So in either of those scenarios, in order to increase that tissue – the body has to have building blocks to do that. It has to have amino acids and fats and all the minerals, all these things that are needed to collagen, you know, all that stuff that the body builds stuff with. If you were going to build a house, you can't do that without lumber or bricks or something to build the house out of. You, you, would, just, you would just have yard. You wouldn't have house. Yeah. So... <laughs> Explain to us, Will Schmidt, Hari Patari, Will Schmidt, um, what happens in digestion that creates those building blocks? Sure. The, The basics of it are first the food gets acidified in the stomach, and then it should get alkalized in by the bile after it leaves the stomach, after it leaves the stomach, and then... In that process, that little mixture of acid and alkalinity from the stomach acid and the bile 
the most of the nutrition should be chemically like exploded like like think like the high school or elementary school volcano project of the vinegar and baking soda where the nutrients are chemically liberated from the food and then become available to the body along with the macronutrients like the proteins and carbs and fats get broken down at different points along that process and then your body absorbs more of the nutrition as it goes through your intestinal tract and we talk about that way more in depth in our free course on digestion at kickinthenuts.com uh, so if you want to get into the nuances of how, of how all that works, then you can go there. And I definitely recommend you do that if you know you have digestive issues because until you fix those digestive issues, you're not going to be able to put on healthy uh, tissue. Right. So what are some signs that somebody could have digestive issues going on? If you have acid reflux or heartburn, low blood pressure, constipation, um, bloating, gas, cramping, Diarrhea, burping. loose stools, burping, nausea, acne, all those things are... Passing gas. Yeah, passing gas. Is high blood pressure? Uh, high blood you know, it, could, of, it could be a problem, yeah. especially with bile flow. Um, poor bile flow often leads to high blood pressure. Yeah. So peeing those out or enough The filth can't be yeah. removed yeah. through the bile yeah. through the poop. So in the in the free digestive issues course, you'll you'll learn to identify what digestive symptoms you have and what parts of your digestion that's related to like the reflux and constipation and heartburn and like burping and bloating in your upper abdomen. That's more related to stomach acid, whereas like diarrhea, nausea, acne, loose stools, those are kind of more related to bile flow issues usually. But but the fun part is that is that. Um you have to have both of those sides of digestion working or you can't break those foods down correctly yeah. into those like amino acid building blocks that have to be there in order for the body to be able to build anything. So it, it, this is the most common issue that we see. And when we see people start to fix their digestion, then the body just starts to naturally be able to rebuild itself. And they're like, oh, my leg, it feels a little thicker. Like I don't feel fat, but I think like I got some gumption to me. Um, and it's just a situation of you're getting the stuff for the building blocks, but now let's look at the other side of poor digestion because let's say you're not getting these amino acids through what you're eating, through you consuming them. You're eating chicken, you're doing great, you're eating eggs, you're getting all these protein building blocks, but your body's not receiving them because you're not digesting them. So what does the body do? The body doesn't say, well, I'm just not going to have protein it's going to get protein. So where does it shop for that protein? You're made of protein. I am. Hello. You can go to the bicep grocery store. So I'm like the (laughs) 7-Eleven. Right. Yeah, and that's the horrible thing about when your body's stuck in like a catabolic state is when you're hungry, it just starts eating itself because it needs to to produce energy all the time. So if you're even if you're eating a lot of protein, if you're not breaking that down well, your body's going to just start you're cannibalizing yourself. Right, because it's, it's going to get the tissues that it needs, and it, it has backup mechanisms that it can easily break down tissues and pull protein out of the lungs and all these other places that you don't want it pulling protein out of. Like, you you need lungs. Yeah. Another thing to point out, too, like especially if you're like the slender guy or just the very, very underweight, low-muscle girl, is like the body knows that muscle is very expensive. It takes a lot of energy day to day it's like having a high mortgage right it takes a lot of money to pay for that you know why it goes away so fast exactly like if you start fasting like that's the first thing to go like Mm -hmm. who's burning all the fuel get rid of those guys like you know so you can conserve and keep your survival as a priority so you have to really convince your body that it absolutely has to build muscle and that it totally has the resources it needs to or else it's just going to minimize the amount of muscle that you have and here's the analogy that a, a, a biology professor would probably use it would be like you had a rugby team staying in your house and they were eating all your food so to correct that problem since you're running out of food you would kill them and then eat them. <laughs> right. You would eat the rugby team. So now you have not only more fuel, but you've also removed First the situation. make out with them, though. Right, because yeah. it's a rugby team. Yeah. Don't, don't be wrong. But now not only do you have fuel from the rugby team, but you removed this problem that was taking away all your fuel. So it's a two for one, really, when the body yeah. starts to break down Bonus. muscle tissue. Right. So it's, it's the, mus- the body just wants to survive. It doesn't want... 
it doesn't want to look like Hugh Jackman. It doesn't care about that, even though that's important to you. Right. <laughs> so it's just it's doing the right things for the situation that it's in. Um, so before we get into more questions, um, well, let's hit a couple more questions and we'll come back. All right. Cole from Buford, Georgia. What is this hard game you speak of? LOL. I'm with you, Cole. It was LOL for Cole because he, I looked at his picture. He was like this huge jacked guy. He's like, what do you mean people can't gain weight? Josh from Ogdensburg, New York. I'm 26 and only 100 pounds, if that. I have been trying to gain weight and muscle since I was a child. I work out and do cardio, and still I'm only 90 pounds. Please, please help me. Jolynn from Parasol, Texas. Help me gain weight. I'm 21, and I only weigh 92 pounds. Well, if you're from Texas, give it a couple of years, and you will. Yeah, don't leave Texas. That's the best thing you can do. (laughs) (laughs) But... Um, like literally, it could take 20 years for a person to become diabetic enough to where insulin is just storing everything as fat. Um, so it's really not the answer to, to live in Texas. But you can see, like, from both these people that it's really a big deal to them. It's really uh, debilitating yeah. in their life. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, so I wanted to hit one other thing that I, I just remembered. is something that happened to me. And it's very common in young, otherwise healthy, skinny males is that when I was 21, probably, um, I had a a spontaneous pneumothorax, which means that one of your lungs kind of collapses. I went into the hospital and they were like, well, we can't really do anything. It's not collapsed enough to blow it up. So you just let it heal. And then so I, I finally I got to leave and it started to feel better and then I sneezed one day and I collapsed it again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I gotta I gotta I gotta never sneeze again. So for years, like I would recollapse it two oh. I did it like two or three times. Oh. Things like sneezing or you know, handing somebody a, a slice of bread. You know, it's just it's simple things. Oh, wow. It was like I was just falling apart. And then I found out uh, you know, a few years ago that when the body doesn't have protein, one of the first places it goes to is the lungs. That doesn't make sense. Because it's easy. Yeah, it's just easy to access that um, tissue and get protein out of there. And so all these skinny, quote-unquote, otherwise healthy guys are getting these lung collapses because the body is eating the lungs. Shouldn't the body That's eat, like, the crazy. bicep first? And then the I something seen, maybe it already ate it. Maybe you had yeah. no biases. So that's like, identical to my cousin: tall, skinny, 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 collapse lung. and collapse lung. Yeah, and yeah. So it's it's really really common, and that's why I felt okay about it. Even though I like it was a scary situation. I and I and when the first time it happened, I was doing crazy stuff. I sat on my bed. Oh, you reckless! Yeah, yeah. But you feel like you're having a heart attack. It's just—it's a freaky thing. Wow! And it's—but it's really common, and and the medical world has no answer for it whatsoever. Would you, would you say that in in all the research? I know you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and years and years trying to fix that. Would you say that the primary thing behind it for you was the the, di- the digestive weakness and catabolic imbalance? Yes, for me. Yeah. So we need to explain a little bit of the catabolic imbalance now and yeah. how that goes. Yeah. Because remember we said there's going to be two main reasons and these this is the other one. Yeah. So you want to? You no, want you to? go okay. at it. Okay. So you talk about it pretty in depth in all of your books and everything you've ever said. But the catabolic imbalance is like <laughs> a tissue breakdown state. And it's an appropriate state of the body to be in half the time. It should be producing energy and that's the right thing to do when you wake up and your body starts having trying to do stuff you should be catabolic think of it not as like a tissue breakdown destruction horrible end of the world thing it's more like a car engine that's on it's running right and it's it's wearing down fuel and it's working and yeah and the car is wearing down as you do that and that's okay like because there's the nighttime when the body's supposed to switch into its other gear of resting and refueling, like pulling to the gas station, going to bed, recharging, eating. Rebuilding tissue. Right. And, and that tissue can't be rebuilt if it's never broken down. So it is, we need it. Yeah, it's totally healthy to be in a catabolic state. And then it's also totally healthy to pretty much, well, not pretty much, on a daily basis, switch into an anabolic state. Ideally, in the evening, that matches our circadian rhythm. It helps us produce energy we need it and rebuild later on. The problem that a lot of people have when they're underweight and can't gain weight is that they're stuck 
in not all underweight people, but a lot of people are stuck in a catabolic imbalance where they're constantly in this breakdown tissue state. Right. And there's a lot of reasons that a person can get stuck in, in one state or another. We see just as many people who are stuck in an anabolic state, and that causes all kinds of problems too. You don't you don't want those problems either. Um, believe me. Yeah, people. believe Kenna. And you can be underweight and anabolic also. Really? Like don't rule that out. Yeah, don't don't rule stuff out. But um, you really need the body to switch back and forth between the two cellular states. It's really important. But the only place you may have heard of anabolic is when you talk about someone using anabolic steroids. Which totally works. <laughs> <laughs> but this will help you understand that, wow, I, if I am overly catabolic, which you can learn by – in the free digestive course, we have videos that teach you how to run simple tests and figure out you know, certain imbalances that are going on. But um, – when you look at people that use anabolic steroids, they're, they're basically forcing their body to be in this anabolic muscle-building, tissue-building state all the time, which causes a lot of problems. Yeah. But just think about, wow, if I could just be in that anabolic state some of the time, like just at night, like I'm supposed to be, then that makes sense that I could at least build some tissue. I don't need to build so much tissue that I don't have a neck, but wow, what if I could build some tissue? Yeah, and that's a very good thing for not just muscle-gaining purposes, but for your health overall, your immune system, your sleep, your mental health, your metabolism overall, your longevity. Like It's really important to be both, to be catabolic when you should be an anabolic at night. So don't say, I'm just going to be anabolic for a while. And right. That's not how you... For June. June's going to yeah, be anabolic. Yeah, for at least nine months, I'm <laughs> just going to focus on being anabolic. You don't want to do that. Like, it's not effective. It's not going to help you reach any good goal other than, like, viral infections and cancers. Like, you don't... don't what? just No, I'm even more freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't... You want to be oscillating daily. If you're stuck in an imbalance, like you're way too catabolic... You won't really have to help push your body to be catabolic in the morning because you'll already be catabolic. Maybe for a while, you may have to do some extra work to help your body be anabolic at night. So you got to pay attention, watch your chemistry, learn how to do that through the self-test that we teach in the course, and then get your body to a state of balance. But know the goal is ultimately to get your body into this circadian rhythm, this diphasic swing where you're catabolic in the morning and anabolic at night. And there's things you can do with exercise and nutrition and rest and stuff to help that happen. Right. And, and you want that even if you're like Will was saying, if muscle building is not your main goal, um, like a lot of these people that are catabolic and they're athletes, they end up with a lot of sports injuries because all that tissue is in that breakdown phase all the time and it never moves into the a strong enough rebuilding phase so it's just being broken down broken down worn out worn out um so by helping them move out of that catabolic state all the time they can have less injuries mm -hmm. so that's always a good thing too yeah um okay let's see another all question. right amber from claire michigan i gain muscle way too fast i want to drop pounds but always gain muscle well every time i see her she's like carrying some big log, log. or something and she's anabolic <laughs> yeah. so maybe she doesn't need to do the weight so much yeah. right and, and amber basically works here because she's yeah. on almost all of our yeah. shows yeah. She, yeah. she's <laughs> fun it's her content generally. yeah she's fun um but you know when she talks to us about stuff that she's going on all of the issues that she deals with are issues that you see in people that are overly anabolic. So now it makes total sense for Amber that she builds more muscle than she wants to because she's stuck in that state of rebuild. Yeah, and she's doing things that, whether she consciously wants them to be or not, are definitely encouraging. Yeah, like the and, Highland Games. Yeah, like, like, the, <laughs> like the carrying the telephone poles. Yeah, and, like, and the cars well, yeah. or whatever. So... Let's look at what, what factors. <laughs> so for somebody like that, you would say probably say like more cardio, huh? Well, I would want to look at some nutritional things. And, and the, the biggest deal, there are steps and there's, there's foods you can eat, supplements you can use to help push yourself in a less of an anabolic but state. But type of workout also matters too, right? Oh, right. Like it, doing the digestion yes. and everything. Yeah, but the biggest thing that matters is um, when somebody's really stuck is – 
does the body have the resources it needs to flip back and forth? Because it takes resources to move from catabolic to anabolic and from anabolic to catabolic. And during that switch, there's all these endorphins that go on and hormonal changes. And so it takes some gumption to do that. So usually when someone is stuck in one of these states, a lot of times they have low resources where the body's like, yeah, I can't make that switch right now. I got too much stuff going on and not enough money to cover those bills. So a lot of times just fixing digestion and lifting those resources by allowing the person to bring in more resources from the food that they're eating um, will help them switch back and forth naturally like they're supposed to. Yeah, and we can see that that in real life when you look at like how hard it is for some people to wake up or how hard it is for some people to go to sleep. Like it takes energy in your body's process activating different processes to switch into those other gears so like that i think that's part of what you're talking about at least there with mm-hmm. the energy yeah i'm anabolic so it's very hard for me to get up but the minute i like touch the pillow i won't even be tired before i go to bed i'm like yeah i'm sleep, done right, sleep. Sleep. right right um, Julie from Hattiesburg, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Thanks for addressing this issue. Just eating more doesn't do it for some, especially when the person is allergic to many of the foods that promote gain or they don't digest and absorb most of what they eat. Right. And, and let's, you know, we have a whole episode on food sensitivities and stuff, but like she's saying, uh, if a person has created these allergies or sensitivities to food that would have helped them gain weight, but they can't eat them. Um, in most cases, if you're creating a lot of food sensitivities like that, you are not digesting your food well enough, and then that food uh, can cause you know, gut permeability and all those sensitivities can come about. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want your body to have to be fighting off things that it's like perceiving as foreign invaders. That's yeah, chicken take- should not be going to war with your yeah, body. Yeah, that's going to take a lot of energy and You want to make your body feel like it has an abundance of energy that it can just go ahead and build more muscle with, you know? Right. So um, can we take a moment to talk about, like, what do we think maybe some – I know we got a couple more questions, but, like, the main things that we can do to really build muscle if you're a skinny guy, for example. Okay. We talked a lot about digestion already. So we talked a lot about digestion and how that's definitely step one. Like if you don't have good digestion, you're not going to get nutrition from your food. Your body's going to eat itself instead of your food. So once that's optimized. Yeah, take yourself off the dinner menu. Right. <laughs> so digestion, check one. Go to the free course and kick it in the nuts.com and go through the digestive course. And as you go through that course, you'll also learn like are you leaning to be way too catabolic? And if so, there's some steps you can take to do that. To help fix that, that we talk about more in depth in your books, even the fat loss book, you talk pretty in depth about things you can do to help correct the catabolic imbalance, right? Right, even the foods, you know, like butter and coconut oil and stuff like that, that can help, you know, uh, egg yolks that are not, that are still runny. Those are great things that someone can do. Yeah, so even if your goal isn't necessarily fat loss, like your kick your fat in the nuts book is still really great for all that other information that you'll get out of that. But then when we look at like, we were just talking, and I'm just bringing this up right now because of what we just looked at with Amber. Like, we know she carries heavy logs. She has a hard time not putting on muscle. When you look at our guy earlier who said, I do, like, I weigh 90 pounds and I work out and do cardio and stuff. It's like, yeah. well, you're working against yourself. Yeah, don't. Don't do cardio. Don't do cardio. <laughs> right? And it's like, oh, what about my heart? That's not how heart health works. Yeah, like, it's, it's really not. It's not. So you want to focus on stimulating your body you want to send it a very clear message you need more muscle and here are the resources to build it like that's what you want to tell your body if you're doing cardio on top of that or if you're not you're barely sleeping you're staying up and partying you're doing all these things like you're stressed out about your life your body is not going to get a clear message like hey just build muscle we've got a bunch of resources and our daily demand is telling us we really need big strong muscles like right that's this guy's what, trying to get us to lift this weight. We can't do it. We need to add more tissue there, muscle tissue, so that we can do what this idiot is trying to get us to do. Yeah, and running 10 miles is going to tell it the opposite. It's like, hey, this muscle is really heavy. Let's get rid of it and use it for all the running that we got to do. Right, and if cardio is super important to you, then maybe just do some one-minute sprints uh, You know, once a week if Boy, you want to do that, and that can, that can be great. Yeah, and that's more of what they call like an anabolic sort of like – 
activity when it's a sprint right and if you look at the bodies of sprinters like any of the olympics like they're ripped they're so jacked they look if you like, look at the long distance runners they're they just got out of the field they look like they're starving yeah right so and that's the body's response to that kind of exercise so like if you want to be skinny and lose a lot of weight and do that then cardio is a great adjunct to your nutrition but and when you know I think about this and I think well if I was really in a POW can't I, w- I wouldn't want to be used as an example but when uh, my digestion was off from all the drugs the doctors were giving me I, people would really say to me you know you look like you just got out of a POW camp and I really did I was really emaciated um, you know with no digestion my body was just eating itself I lost I was back to my high school weight again so it. it it's just a picture that makes helps people understand. Yeah, that's that's. I don't want to go for that. Yeah. So instead, like, you want to do things that encourage it to feel like it has to build muscle, like lifting weights. You want to do stuff that encourages it to feel like it needs to build big, strong muscles that are good for intense work, like sprints or weightlifting, strength training stuff. Not stuff that you can do for half an hour without taking a break. Right. If right. you can do 30 reps of a weight, your weight is not heavy enough. Yeah. You, you sh- want to make your body be like, dude, stop doing that. Yeah. And there's different types of muscle fibers. And the long distance runners train what are called like the red or slow twitch fibers. And they're not very voluminous. They're very good at using sugar for energy and, and fat. And they, they don't give you the size that you want. The muscle fibers that you do want to train are like the fast twitch or white fibers. And there's a couple types of those, but they, the main ones of those fatigue in about 90 seconds. So if you're doing an activity that you can do for five minutes, that's not quite where you want. You want to be even more intense than that. So you can jump rope for like five minutes. It's not really going to be as effective as if you did like squat jumps for like 30 seconds and then right. you're gassing for air and your muscles if, you, if you're a jump rope or do some double unders because you, know, you can't do that for as long as, yeah. as easily you want to try to do something that's so intense you can't possibly do it for more than at most 90 seconds and do a lot of those with little rest breaks like you know a regular weight training workout what about the people who are all jacked in their arms and upper body, but then they have little skinny legs? Well, they just, don't have a leg day. Yeah, <laughs> and they just skip those muscles. And that's a really great example of like how the body's only doing what it needs to do. Like if you just train your arms, it's not going to be like, oh, well, I'll just build some calf too. Yeah, just add just that in throw there too. It. It's all, you know, it's all like that's, And I have heard people say, I work on it all the time, but I just can't get bigger legs. I don't know. Yeah, well, they're lying. <laughs> no, and there are, you know, people can have muscles that are harder to build. Some people build calves just by looking at calves and some people have a hard time James has these massive calves right right yeah Um, and so you know that stuff can vary but it's not going to be like you see where the people has no legs and it's just like twigs Um, you do have to spread the work out a little bit and if you do work out like your bigger muscles isn't that supposed to help you burn more fat like if you're working out like your your butt and your legs and stuff isn't that the biggest muscles burn more fat than the smaller muscles well, they're going to keep you at a higher uh, metabolic rate. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to just burn more fuel no matter what type of fuel you're burning at that time. You're just going to burn more of it. Yeah. So that would also go for people who are skinny who want to put on weight and maybe don't, you know, maybe they're not working their legs or something. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I hear you saying, like we were saying like earlier, muscle is expensive because it takes energy yeah. to maintain. And Tony is trying to, I think, clarify it's, it's not just you, you're just going to burn more fat. You're going to burn more energy. And yeah. where that energy comes from depends a lot on your metabolism and your diet. So if you're eating sugar all the time, no, you're not going to burn more fat. Those, those muscles are going to like be burning mm-hmm. the glucose from the sugar. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, uh, not going full force all the time. Really good. Okay. In both food and workout type. Yeah. So it's really important to know like you are you're trying to convince your body to do something and you've got to work with your cells and how they respond to hormones and nutrition and its sort of natural rhythms. And one mistake that I made for me eighteen years or something like that. Yeah. You know, Which is that's a long That's mistake. a long time. So and a lot of people do is like especially if you're a hard gainer, you just try to gain weight until you're at the weight that you want. So you just eat as much as you can until you hopefully eventually get to that point. And I think I did that even like a couple of years ago. I got up to like 
191 or 193 was like the heaviest at night, you know, but, and I just made this solid push to just get up to that weight. And at first I was getting stronger and I looked good. I was like put on the size. And then the longer I stuck at it with the goal of trying to get to 200 pounds, like the more and more my body started to add more fat and I was still getting stronger too, but it was disproportionately diminishing gains of muscle and more fat. And that's because of this this cyclic pattern that the body likes to work at where it grows muscle in spurts. And there's a lot of hormonal, complicated reasons of why it works that way. Do you want to cut in or do you want me to keep going? No, you go ahead. Okay, great. So when you're trying to... I always to, just cut you off when I want to say something. All right. You don't got to worry That's about right. that. So when you want to try to put on lean muscle, because most hard gainers are like, yeah, I wish I was fatter. Uh, they, <laughs> they most want like healthy, more lean tissue. So to do that, first off, you want your body to be really good at um, absorbing nutrients and insulin. And if you've been pounding yourself with a really high caloric diet for a long time, you're going to be less good at using insulin. and, at and the insulin being receptive yeah, to cells and all that. Right. right. So you're going to be kind of skinny fat. Like I was, I was like 103 pounds, but I didn't have a six pack. It's like this sucks. And I did like a thousand sit-ups a week. Like it was just, you know, because my body had developed this degree of insulin resistance, which makes you store fat. So you may want to do a small period of uh, more of a ketogenic diet where you're, I, I wrote a blog post about that, how to do that. Um, and we did a whole yeah, two, we have a two part show. Two on part, that too. Yeah. So just listen to that earlier episodes there or on my body of knowledge.net, just type in ketogenic K E T O G N I C into the search box and you'll find the blog post that describes how to do that. So you may want to do that for a little phase, like more or less longer, depending on the person's metabolism. But generally, 10 days is a good amount I like of time that. to restore insulin sensitivity. And then start trying to go higher calorie. And this book that I really like to help with the nuances of this, which will um, give you like grams and dosages and timing, is a book called Carb Backloading by uh, a physicist, nutrition guy named John Kiefer. And he, he talks a lot about the, the anabolic effects of certain nutrients like leucine and glutamine and, mm-hmm. and carbs also. What Sugar. was the other book we like? Hormonal? Natural Hormone Enhancement by, right. by Rob Fagan. Yeah, that one's really good too. It was really good and maybe a little bit more holistically minded. This one's a little more updated. A little, little Debbie snack cake minded. Yeah. <laughs> but with also some new interesting insights about supplement research right. that's developed since Rob Fagan wrote. Right. But it's the main idea is to eat lower carb for a consistent period of time so the insulin can come down and then kind of slam it hard. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you, for example, like Kiefer's simplest rule is if it's light out, don't eat carbs. You know, like uh-huh. kind of makes it simple. But the main thing is, and that, that kind of suits what we were talking about earlier with the circadian rhythm of wanting to be anabolic at night and knowing that carbohydrates very much promote an anabolic state. So the way Kiefer lays it out is to do, if you can, not everyone can with their schedule, if you can train sometime around sundown evening and then start eating carbs after your workout, like like uh, in your post-workout shake and in your dinner, having starches and fruits and higher glycemic like fruits and such in your in your post-workout shake, that's advantageous because then you just spent all day in ketosis using fat for fuel, which also is very good for workouts. Like people think they need to eat carbs before the workout, but they don't really. But you just have that really great metabolic advantage of being catabolic like you're supposed to be during the day, which gives you energy for your workout, and then really strongly nourishing and encouraging your body to switch modes into an anabolic state right after your workout, which is a prime time to have most of those nutrients go into your muscles instead of your fat because they're starving for glycogen because you just worked out really hard. And use it all, right? Yeah. So they're going to be like, give me that. And the fat cells are like, yeah, sure, you can have it. Like, you need it more than me. Right. And the muscles just grow from that. And it's really important to note that if you're insulin resistant, this won't work very well. I was about to go, hey, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Let me have my so, milkshake. <laughs> right. So it, it, it ends mostly in, in disaster. But the ketogenic diet can be very helpful if you sustain that. But this carb backloading, carb night type of situation, uh, we find it not effective at all, at all if a person's insulin resistant. But a lot of the people that are dealing with these issues are not going to be insulin resistant and they'll, they'll find some success with this. Yeah. So... Even if you're already a little bit underweight, doing that priming to get your body to be what's called keto adapted or good at using fats will really not only help you like like 
build your definition and have strong energy for workouts, but it will really set you up to be more responsive to muscle growth after, like once you get through that stage. And I've noticed this in the, in the couple of times that I've like prepped for photo shoots. Like I've gotten really lean, like spent like a couple months to get my body fat extra low. And then for the next couple of weeks after I'm, I'm more liberal with my diet and I just like grow like crazy. And I'm like way, like more muscle than I've ever had previously, even before I started getting ready for the photo shoot. And it was because of that response of like being very, very insulin sensitive and the muscles being really receptive to nutrition. So, and let's look at one, let's look at the workout aspect of it too, real quickly before we, uh, okay, a couple more questions is, you know, we hear from people that are like, well, I worked my chest every day this week and it hasn't gotten bigger. What's the problem? So let's talk a little bit about um, the important the important thing people understand is that the benefits don't come from the workout. That's not where they come. They come from your body's response to that workout. Mm-hmm. And that's where the building comes in. Yeah. You can definitely call workouts a catabolic activity. As like sleep would be anabolic, like workouts are a breakdown and they're all about signaling. They're, they're just like the ketogenic diets, like signaling your cells that, hey, we need to be more sensitive to insulin and, and nutrition because we're not getting much. Your muscles are like, they need to be signaled, hey, there's stress. But you don't want to do what I used to do and work out like two, three hours a day right. and create so Every much day. trauma that they just are breaking down and catabolizing and cannibalizing themselves. So don't think more is better with weights. Like you want just enough to encourage your body to grow. Right. And we talk about this a lot in the in the fat book is that let's say that you do your chest, you break down that tissue. So the next day is you know, it would be able to rebuild and now you're building tissue, you're adding to that tissue. But if instead you did chest again that day, you're just breaking it down again. It never got to rebuild. So you basically just eliminated yesterday's workout before it got to reap the benefits of it. So I, I feel it's real important not to um, try to go crazy with the same muscle back-to-back days like that. You want you want that repair to happen. Yeah, and the length of time that you need to rest is variable. Like mm-hmm. depending on how hard your workout is, how good your nutrition is, how used to the exercise that you're you're doing, your sleep is all. And even which muscles? You know, some muscles repair yeah. much faster. Calves and abs. A lot of people feel can be worked a lot more frequently than other muscles and stuff like that. Yeah. So you you want to like learn like how to pay attention like are you making progress is your body changing the right way is your chemistry getting too catabolic or too anabolic all these things will help clue you in as like how much rest you need and you can work with a trainer too to help set up a a nice little structure to like your workouts and things like that there is a good program um by one of the mr olympia guys named ben polinski if you it's only like 97 dollars and it's a very comprehensive like three month long very detailed strength training program and I think if you just Google search uh, his program MI40X, and it's this little, it's a great little program that can help sequence your workouts. But it is fairly intense. So if you're new to weight training and you have little kinks and things like that, you might want to hire a trainer or check out some of my pain relief videos on my site. And make sure that your body's like set up well so you can exercise and ease your way into it. Right. All right. Simon from Wrexham. I think it's Australia or the UK, but it didn't say. Uh, What are your views on protein and muscle building? Is it a case of more is better? Could you also talk about plant protein versus animal protein? Thanks, guys. So let's first talk about amount a little bit. And there's a lot of different opinions out there about, you know, how much can the body use and you also have to consider if there's excess, is the body going to turn it to glucose and, and stuff like that? Yeah. So first off, like definitely don't eat more than you can digest. So you got to start with that. And That's make sure. the real priority. Right. Yeah. And, and people will say like, oh, you can't digest more than 30 grams. Like, and that's a fairly arbitrary. I don't know if it's based on anything at all. But Yeah, but I remember that a lot. Like, yeah, you know, people, your body's going to use about 30 grams at a time. Yeah, but then they, since then they've done studies. I think Tim Ferriss mentions it. Like, you can also eat 70 grams at once and you know have as much absorption of amino acids. But it really depends on the person and their stomach acid like capacity to break that food down. Well. Right. So if you have good stomach acid or if you're supplementing with hydrochloric acid and enzymes, you're going to be able to handle larger amounts of different kinds of protein, much better than someone who doesn't have stomach acid. So 
there's a lot of things to say, but I'm not even sure where we should start with. I don't either, but I, I think one thing is that I don't think that you should view it as the amount of protein is going to that I consume is going to translate to the amount of muscle that I build. Yeah, especially when most of muscle is water and glycogen. If you think about what gives it size, you know, if that's really good. So those macronutrients of like the carb backloading that we were talking about earlier is a huge determinant factor. Like when I when I think about growing. I think about adding more carbohydrates like at the right time, you know, and I think Rob Fagan talks about it in that way as well in the natural hormone enhancement. He's like, look at your other variables of the variables of fat and carbs and, and have your base of your protein be not constant, but not nearly like the determinant factor of are you going to gain weight or not. Right. And so what I, what I like to see people do is to hit some protein consistently. I like to see them have at least some type of protein at each meal. It doesn't need to be a large amount to be able to to gain muscle, but if you're giving your body enough to where A, it's not going to break down muscle tissue to get what it needs, and then B, to have some to build some, then you're in pretty good shape. And as much as that's going to vary, if you're at least hitting protein at each meal, you, you're probably doing okay. And it does, and it should vary a lot with what stage of the thing that you're in. So if you're doing the ketosis phase, then you're going to want to limit your carbohydrate intake to under half your body weight in grams. So if you're like a 100-pound guy, you would have only like 50 grams of protein max for that 10-day primer would you say prime? Would you say protein or carbohydrate? Protein. Oh, okay. I think you said carbohydrate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. What I meant is if you're doing that primer stage where you're doing that ketogenic thing to get your body's insulin sensitivity back on point, you limit your protein intake to under half your body weight what in grams. What if you're really fat? So... If you're like a 150-pound person? Well, no, what if you're obese and you're oh. starting this thing? But oh, that's a, you, you wouldn't be trying to gain weight if you were obese. Oh, so oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. But I thought you meant just protein in general, how much no, the human body needs. I'm talking about in relation oh, okay, to, to weight, weight gain. gain. Okay, never mind. So in the, yeah, cause it is, I woke up. I woke up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're doing that primer stage or you're doing a refresher, because like you don't just bulk forever. like You'll repeat this priming phase to get your body's insulin sensitivity to it. Whenever you're doing that stage where you're trying to restore insulin sensitivity you would limit your protein intake to like less than half your body weight in grams and then most of the recommendations are when you're in a mass building phase you would the typical recommendations have at least your body weight in grams but usually even sometimes a little bit more than that right and again that goes back to are you giving your body an amount that it can deal with or are you giving your body a burden? That's why just cramming more protein in is not going to be the answer that most people think it is. Yeah. So you have to look at, okay, I, I have the ability to digest this. Uh, I'm not feeling bloated. I'm not getting constipated. I'm not burping, all that kind of stuff that's important. Um, so now let's talk, let's talk to Simon about um, you know, animal protein versus plant protein. And I think that this is really important. And I think that, you know, even a vegan can do it correctly, but I think the type of a protein, if a person is either vegan or vegetarian or octo-vegetarian or novo, you know, whatever fancy name they're using, um, that the type of protein you use is really important. And I like to see people not use soy if they can avoid that or the fake soy replacement protein foods. Yeah, and it's really good to know that most... Um most plant proteins are very abundant in arginine, which is a, a, an amino acid that will lower your blood pressure, right. which some people like to think that's awesome because they have high blood pressure or they've never heard that. They would think that it's only a good thing to have lower blood pressure, but a lot of underweight people are starting with low blood pressure. And a lot of those catabolic people that are stuck catabolic are there because they have low blood pressure and low resources. Yeah. So if you're eating a protein that's primarily lowering your blood pressure and encouraging catabolism, it's not going to help, right? Right. So flax-based proteins, hemp-based proteins, pea-based proteins, they're all like super arginine-based. And on top of that, plant-based proteins are almost completely... Almost almost completely devoid of the primary proteins that your tissues are made out of, like glycine and proline, the ones that are most abundant in collagen or gelatin. Right, and and also if you're using something like flax, flax is very pro-catabolic, so you need to understand the things, because a lot of people will tell you that everybody should be taking fish oil, everybody should be taking omega-3s, and if you're doing that and you have this catabolic imbalance, you're exacerbating your situation. Yeah, and on top of that, in Marquina, 
Omegas will give you sunspots. Later, like, so you like as they build up in your system. Okay. Different topic. Wow. So, um, what are there sources of protein that you feel can be beneficial when someone is wanting to stay vegan, um, or stay away from animal-based proteins? Uh, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> like, I was gonna say, like, don't I, be vegan. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, there, I guess technically hemp. The thing is, technically, hemp protein has all the essential amino acids, but like the ratios of them are not helpful. Like that, it's the more of it you eat, the more imbalanced it is. Even though it's giving you a small amount, like a minuscule amount of glycine, and they can technically say it's in there, it's really not doing the trick. Of like, you need the ratios matter a lot. You need an abundance of particular types of amino acids to send your body a message. Like certain amino acids will encourage energy production and catabolism. So they're put in pre-workout shakes for that purpose to give like more energy. And then other amino acids are far more anabolic inducing like leucine and glutamine and other right. ones that Kiefer mentions in his book. Right. So if you if it's important to stay vegan to you, how do you feel about using supplements? And you know, can you use things that'll help you move into that more rebuilding and that contain the amino acids needed to build stuff? Yeah. There's a couple like fancy ways around it. And the supplements of amino acids, like if you just get like pharmaceutical grade glutamine does do that trick, but then, as you've mentioned before in past episodes, those synthetic amino acids lack very important cofactors that our body needs to be able to continue to use them. So a workaround is to use proteofood, which is a supplement by a standard process. Protofood. Protofood. But is that a vegan product? I don't even know. It's not a vegan product. Oh, so then you're screwed. Right. So that's, that's, that kind of becomes a problem. That's why I say, you know, some people uh, that are vegan are... They they only, they just don't want to eat anything with a face, but they're okay using a supplement using that. Um, a lot of other vegans uh, now are kind of going non-vegan to where they, okay, I'm just going to have eggs. That's going to be the only animal product that I have yeah. is eggs. That would help. Because they were, and it really would help. If a vegan tells me they're going to have eggs, I'm like golden. I'm not going to try and get you to do yeah. anything else because you're going to get just about everything you need with those eggs. So Simon, if I if I cook you eggs, will you eat them? Right. Right. So um that that's what that's the, because here's the thing it's we're not saying that nobody can be vegan and be big and jacked. They absolutely can. Um but their body's operating in a way that's allowing that to happen. They're already good at processing specific things, but if a person is having a hard time doing that, Yes, you can do things to improve your ability to process and use proteins, but put as much in your favor as you can is the best way to go. Yeah, another thing to know about that is like in the vegan world, there's an abundance of fatty acids and a and like a very sparse region of saturated fats. And fatty acids are very catabolic inducing. So if you're in a catabolic balance and underweight and you're just eating a bunch of like healthy fats like all of flax oil, avocados and all the plant oils, they are not what you, they're pushing you further into the catabolic imbalance. They cause other problems too, but you need to encourage anabolic states and saturated fats and carbohydrates and particular amino acids will help do that and almost all of those things are well, not the carbs, but the the saturated fats are very, very hard to find in abundance in the plant world. And, and it is possible to be in this situation and to be overly anabolic, and that's when those fats would be very beneficial to you, and maybe it's just a digestive issue. But that's why it's important to look at yourself, figure out where you are, then you can know what to use. Mm-hmm. All right, John from Gastonia, North Carolina. I'm 38, 5 foot 8 inches tall, but only weigh 102 pounds. And yes, I do eat, and I eat just about everything, but still cannot gain any GD weight. Please help. Yeah, so John's in the same situation. So so let's let's recap and tell John what he needs to do. What's the first thing that you got to do if you want to try to gain weight? First one? Yeah, I can. I got it. You want to say it, Kenneth? Digestion. Yeah. <laughs> you want to make sure your digestion is working as great as it can, and I would recommend taking digestive supplements to help that happen and make sure you're not doing anything to ruin your digestion, like taking an antacid or something. Very important. So that's step one. Two. Step two is to assess your body chemistry and see what imbalances are present 
for example, the catabolic imbalance, the sympathetic nervous system imbalance, and electrolyte deficient imbalance, those would all be big potential culprits. Right, when, we, when we do testing stuff, you can also look at your breath rate, which is going to help you understand that are you a fast oxidizer and you're kind of ripping through all your food too quickly because you can also adjust that. A, a fast metabolism is not something that you have to be just stuck with. You can adjust the, your ability to, I mean, the speed at which you're ripping through some stuff. Yeah. So step two would really be to like assess your own chemistry using any of Tony's books or go through the uh, the twelve week online fat loss course that we have when that's back available or kick it in the nuts or kick or digestive issues course. Any of those will help you learn where your chemistry sits and correct all the the detected imbalances. And then step three, once you kind of fix those things. Which are the most important things. Yeah, foundationally you will get up to a healthy body weight with that. But if you want to take it like further and start like body sculpting, body building, that kind of thing, I would recommend starting to do that whole, the carb backloading process. So John Kiefer's book is a really good one for that. Um, and you'll find some other information about that too on my site in a future blog post. At mybodyofknowledge.net. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, and let us know how it goes. And we, we really appreciate all the uh, reviews you guys are leaving on iTunes. We're really getting a lot and we love hearing from you guys. And that helps us spread the word too. For all of our Kick It Naturally listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. Just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook to find the link. And if you want to learn more about how to ch- look at your own chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the free four-week digestion course at kickitinthenuts.com or head on over to Will Schmidt's mybodyofknowledge.net, and he's got a lot of great stuff on there as well. We're all done talking now. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.